What's up everybody? Welcome to 2021. The new decade. Season four. Season four. Of the Bible Boys. That's your right. favorite Bible loving podcast. Week in, week out. On the seasons or the weeks when we're not taking a break. Straight into your eardrums. We're back. We're back. We're back in business. James, how's your summer? It yeah. feels like this, you know, at the start of a TV show. Yes. You know, each year they do like a summer recap. You know, you know you've seen The Office? Uh, I have not watched The Office. Okay. I've seen assorted episodes, but, yes. but please do tell. Or Seinfeld, where they're yes. in there and they have the mustache. And yes. like, this was supposed to be the summer of, <laughs> you know. What was it? The summer of... Summer the, of George. Yeah. Summer of George. Um, yeah. How was your summer of jams? Yeah, I just got back from leave yesterday, which was wonderful. So Viv and I went up to Etalong in the Central Coast. So Viv's parents recently moved up there. Okay. They sold their home in Sydney, moved up, and we did a house swap. So we lived in their place and they lived in our place here in Carlingford. And we were there for just under a week. Very nice. relaxing. Nice. Lots of sleeping and eating. Lots of mahjong. I learned how to play mahjong oh, nice. recently. Remember how a few weeks ago you were talking about wizards mahjong? Wizards mahjong. Yeah, I, it would not be a very fun game, I must say. Yes, but it's not just a memory game. It is. A, it's a. It's a memory and a pattern recognition game. It's a lot of fun. I just don't think a wizards version of it would be particularly mm. fun because they could probably see through it. Yes. Yes. Mm. That's it. Um, and uh, Viv and I started watching The West Wing because we finished Lost. Nice. So Have you seen The West Wing before? I, this is my fifth time watching it. Okay, so yes. <laughs> yes. A lot. <laughs> has Viv seen it? Viv has not seen oh, it. Oh, okay. So it's great. It's great I, watching It's it always uh, interesting watching a TV show with a loved one. Yes. A show that you love that they haven't seen. Yes. Because, you know, like when I was watching Seinfeld with Soph, I'd always lean over. Yeah, to see like, what she's yeah. thinking. Yeah. Did you like that? Did you like that, <laughs> And invariably it'd be... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really, not yeah. really. Yeah, so Viv and I also got to do a hike, and we went to some beaches, so yeah, it was a really, really nice and re- relaxing time. I also finished, um, started and finished a book, um, You Are What You Love by James K. Smith. Might discuss that later, might, haven't decided yet. So I'm Call of Duty Warzone. Yeah, nice. <laughs> As in, that's what you... That's what I am. That's what you are. Uh, okay. That's uh, one of the things yes. that I love. That's right. Because you love it. Yes. Yeah. I um, like it. I like, like it. Like it. Don't yeah. love it. Just... <laughs> okay, how's the, what was the book like? Yeah, the book, book is good. Um, yeah, so it it's actually an abridged version. So I don't know if you remember last year, I was talking to you about this trilogy of books I was reading... Um, and one of them was on politics, for example. Mm. Um, but this is meant to be the accessible version of his trilogy um, for your general popular audience. And I just loved reading it. Um, the basic thesis is that uh, the Western world, as well as many Christians, we tend to think of ourselves primarily as thinking things. As in, you, uh, the way to get to the core of a person is to realize how they think, mm. what their uh, beliefs are. Mm. Um, but actually, uh, the author, James K. Smith, also drawing from insights from um, Augustine, um, saying that we're primarily lovers. We all have loves which affect our habits and our desires. Um, and a failure to recognize that is behind why so much of our discipleship only goes so far. So he says, if you think about what education is for a lot of people, it's, you know, download as much information into people's minds so that maybe one day they might withdraw it. Mm. Um, Or if you think about discipleship, a lot of discipleship is read this book and then we'll talk about it. And he's saying, these are good things, but the truth is that they're, it, it, it's very hard for someone to change their behavior just based on thinking differently. Mm. Actually, part of it is their desires and their habits need to change as well. Mm. Anyway, so those are some of the things to do with the book. Nice. Yeah. We're not just cerebral. Yes. We're also... Lovers. Cathartic. Yes. Is that the right word? 
Um, That's a nice I think, little, I think he, yes. Yeah, alliteration there. We are, um, oh, what's a word that he uses? We are, no, I don't remember now. That's okay. Mm. Um, I also finished Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on my Nintendo 3DS. Nice. <laughs> now, Pip, I was cleaning out my bag. Okay. And um, for people watching on the video, you'll see, this is my Nintendo 3DS oh my case. There's a picture, there's a big picture of Mario holding that Yoshi is just... It's a, just a mushroom. It's just a mushroom. And it's amazing. Yeah, so I've got, you know, the Nintendo 3DS in it with um, games Ooh. and stuff like that. Anyway, I had a flashback memory, Pip, this morning as I was cleaning out my bag mm. to when my mother, this was before I got married, but I've had this 3DS for a few years. She picked up this case with the absolute... With a with a look of absolute disgust, <laughs> she this translated from Chinese. She goes, "James, look at this thing. <laughs> you're an adult, and you're still playing with this stuff." It's like a don't don't waste your life kind of moment. <laughs> She's just looking at Mario and was like, "James, weren't you playing with this when you were like seven? Anyway, so, so this. Brought me to want to ask you, Pip. And what did you say to your mum? What did I say? Get with the times! <laughs> I this said, is what all adults do now. That's right. Well, I, I said to her, yeah, and I'll probably still be doing so when I'm 40 and 50 and 60. Anyway, that's what I said to her. I reckon, Loki, I think I mentioned this before, but yes. the retirement homes of the future, when we go to our retirement home, yes. there'll just be VR headsets everywhere that you just plug in. Yeah, you right. just get there, you plug in, and yes. you're a 20-year-old running around you got your youth back mm. and screen theft auto i'm gonna seven. say i'm gonna put a bold prediction out there right now okay i don't think vr will ever be that compelling really i i just don't think vr will ever be now uh, this you know 20 years from now yeah bible boys historians yeah. will come back and say james chen you know yeah you're so ignorant but I'm just going, I just don't think... I think it'll catch on with more people. Yeah. I just don't think it'll be as, you know, mainstream. Can I make a, a bold prediction? Yeah, go. Not only do I think VR will catch on yes. significantly in like 20 years' time. Sure. But it'll be so good that normal people, like you and me, who have their own podcast, <laughs> will be able to... Do a podcast, a VR podcast. Oh, I believe that. Right? Yeah. And our listeners yes. can listen live oh, right. and sit in the room with us. Yeah, we'll I set up little pods that. around the place yeah. and people can have their seat in the auditorium. Mm. So every podcast episode will be a concert. Sure. You'll listen to your favorite podcaster. You'll be there at the table with them. I, I, I believe that. And able to speak yes. to them. You'll be able to speak yes. and the message, like text will come up on the screen mm. in front of them and they'll be able to respond in real time. Mm. I, I think that's going to be true. And that's how all family gatherings will operate. Oh, okay, that's terrible. <laughs> this is a dystopian future. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I lost out family Th- gatherings. That's alright, yes. Well, I, I think the technology will be there. I'm just going, whether it will be the, the main no, way yes. of us interacting yeah. with content, I just don't think it'll be that compelling. Um, yeah. But I wanted to ask you, yeah. when, have you have, when have you had a situation when someone just looks at you and says, come on, you're an adult now. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I remember the first time I invited Soph over to, uh, when I was living with my parents, I invited her over. She was like, you know, we were both in late high school. Yeah. Um, we just started dating. Yes. For her first time over. Yes. And I showed her my, I had a synthesizer, like a little, it was pretty good. Yeah. But it had like a vocoder, like a microphone that you speak into <laughs> and play music. And I was like, I was like doing that. I was showing her that. And she kind of looked at me and she was like, do I really want, like, <laughs> is this the man? Is this the man? Is this the guy? Are you the man? Yeah. It was probably it's a sim- so it was a similar vibe, probably. It was like a, really? <laughs> this is your front foot? <laughs> I gotta say, Pip, that reminds me of Home Alone 2. Yeah. When Kevin's got the voice recorder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> this is Peter McAllister, the father. Yeah, That's yeah. my favourite part. 
<laughs> love it. Oh, good stuff. How about you, Pip? Sorry, we've been spending so much time on me. Nah, loving it. How are you? And what was your summer been like? My summer's been good. So I had my last official night of MTS. Uh, and my f- last night at St. Paul's, yes. as a member of St. Paul's yes. on Sunday night. That's a big deal because you've been at St. Paul's your whole life. My whole right? life. Wow. It was, I became a Christian at St. Paul's yes. in years, kind of year seven. Yeah. I met Soph at St. Paul's. Mm. Um, you've done training now at St. Paul's? I've done my, you know, two years of working there. Yes. Uh, my parents, you know, brought me there as a kid. It's mm. been like part of my whole life for a long time. Mm. So it's yeah, a big deal. Big deal. But it was a very anticlimactic kind of finish, which is for um I prefer that there's you know it's unceremonious. I don't want to say heaps and heaps of you don't want to hug and kiss. No, and... no 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 no. And I'm kind of glad COVID. You know, I'm not a big hugger. I'm not a big you know. So it's it all worked out well because mm. there were like sixty seventy people at church on Sunday night. Yeah, a few, wow. few goodbyes yes. here and there, and then. On. Out the door. It was like a kind of, you know, Michael Scott leaving. You know. I don't get the reference. But oh, because you haven't said, oh, yeah. okay, well. Uh, but I know that Steve Carell left before the end of the series. Yes, yes. Yeah. But no, it was, it, was really, it was really good. It was really nice. Yes. Um, and yeah, I've loved being at St. Paul's. Mm. And, um, since then, so in the past uh, week, Soph and I, we've started to move into a new place in Parramatta. Mm. Just down the road. Just down the road. We've painted. Yes. Two coats of paint. So what's the colour now? It's it's uh it was a bit it was a bit yellowy, uh-huh. uh you know, and now it's more of a white, oh, slightly, okay. you know, maybe on the grey side, but yes. like pretty much white. Okay. Um yeah, so it's it's feeling fresh. Cool. And when are you moving? Well, I'm moving uh next Tuesday, so less than a week. Do you need help by the way moving? Uh thanks for the. Thanks for the um, offer. I will be okay, okay. I think, because we've um, uh, and this is this is the thing, right? So one of the we bumped into someone at um, More West, and they said, "Do you need help moving?" Oh. And we're like, "Oh, we should be okay. We we hired movers." Yes. And I was like, "La di da." Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. It's like I don't know. You know, I thought this. I thought we, people, we've got professionals. Yeah, it's okay. We got professionals, and we live on the ground floor right. in a unit right next to the front gate. Right. So very simple. Super easy access. It'll yes. be so such an easy move. Cool. You know, knock on wood. But um, yeah. So no. So we've done painting. Yes. I've got paint in my hair. Oh. And like little specks of paint on my on my fingers yes. and on my hands. You may never like get that. those out. I well, it's water based, so oh, it should okay. just come out. But oh, good. I've had you know a couple of showers, and uh, it hasn't all come out, so mm. I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> um, yes. So no, I've had a good summer. I've um, my New Year's resolution yes. to read more mm. is going pretty. I don't want to toot my own horn here. No, please do tell. Toot toot. Toot okay. toot. Yeah, because what is it's going all right. How's your reading been going? So I finished. Um, History of Christianity. Yeah, by Diarmaid McCulloch. Yes. I don't know if I said his name no, correctly. I don't know how to pronounce it. But he's the... I don't even know if this is a thing. He's the professor of the History of Christianity at Oxford University. And, uh, you know, I sent the email to him. Yeah, you sent an email and you sh- shared this on the Bible Boys Instagram. Yeah. Bible underscore boys with a Z. That's it. And so I sent him an email and I've never done this before. I've never emailed an author of a book. You know, the only person I've ever talked to who authored a book... It's God. <laughs> um, but I emailed him, and I basically... Because it's, it's a big book, and it's got, like, heaps... Like, it's a really thorough history of Christianity. Although, you know... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily... He's not really an evangelical, I would mm-hmm. say, necessarily. Um, so he probably doesn't emphasise the things that, you know, our circle of people that we know would emphasise when explaining the history of Christianity. But he, he you know... Talks about lots of things, lots of dates, lots of names. Um, you know, he he talks about uh, kind of every part of the world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I emailed him and I asked, like, for someone like me going into uh, theological college, you know, I I kind of I have this you know understanding that history is important. But what advice would you give someone who's trying to remember the names and the dates and is is like a detailed um, understanding of history really important or is kind of the big picture view just good enough? Um, and he kind of came back and he said, um, uh, it's really important like when, when you're um, studying history 
to come up with your own timeline in your own head. Mm. So rather than relying on like Googling timeline or, or just like reading a book to kind of try to synthesize information. So, so to, to any, actually said, so go to Wikipedia mm. to get the raw facts. You won't, you won't get like, you know, uh, it, you know, nicely kind of packaged together in a book. Mm. But if you go to Wikipedia and you go around, you'll get kind of the raw basic facts. Mm. Um, and you can start to create your own timeline and then you can start reading history, you know, books by historians and how they package it and yeah. how they put it together. Yes. So that's been interesting. So I've started to do a bit of my own kind of timeline. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, because there's just, there's heaps of things in history that I just wish I knew more about, mm. you know. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, that's yeah, great. no, it's, it's, it's been good. And I read um, a biography of J.I. Packer mm. by Alistair McGrath, um, which is really, really good, really encouraging um not a 10 out of 10 book but more of a 7 out of 10 <laughs> it was good um and yeah i've um i read a book that my sister got me yeah because she mentioned it, it the barefoot investor yes whenever i go to booker.com.au this is like well for a long time this is the the first book that showed up so the barefoot investor for you youtubers um that's the that's the cover. Yeah, and it was really interesting. And I and so basically, he talks about uh, financial control, mm-hmm. financial uh, stability, mm-hmm. security. Mm-hmm. No, no, like you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really reading it as a Christian. It's kind of interesting wrestling with because he's a massive advocate of like financial shrewdness, mm-hmm. stewardship. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically explains. What, what bank accounts to set up with which banks um, that offer the best rates, mm-hmm. how to kind of... Um, he, he says he, he's not a budget person, and I personally am not a budget person mm-hmm. um, myself. I prefer to work off like a system, mm-hmm. and his, his system's really, really good, which is basically you have a main account that your income comes into, but you set up automatic payments, like a percentage of that income into other accounts. So some into your super, some into um, a high interest savings account, some into like a splurge account, mm-hmm. which you have like a separate card for, so you know exactly how much you can kind of splurge on non-essential stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, lots of wisdom in it. But um, yeah, it is interesting from a Christian perspective. Mm reading a book on financial... Yeah. Would uh, you recommend this? I would. I would really recommend it. Okay. The, the Barefoot Investor. I would really recommend it. But as a Christian, as you read it, I think you've got to ask yourself, uh, why is he being... Why... Uh, what's the end goal for him? Mm. It seems to be the end goal of financial stewardship is uh, a sense of peace and control, mm. a comfortable retirement, mm-hmm. and leading a uh, inheritance for your children. Mm. And he really emphasises the comfortable retirement bit. Mm. He says, this is what everyone wants. This is how you kind of achieve it. Yeah. So I think some things there you've got to kind of say, okay, well, what, what is the goal for a Christian? Mm. You know, We know that we won't ever achieve... Uh, you know, a sense of we, we won't ever be in control completely because God mm-hmm. is in control mm-hmm. and you know, God can, God gives and God takes away. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be open to that. Um, God, uh, you know, calls us to be radically generous and sometimes that'll mean a lot of the times that'll mean sacrifice, which is uncomfortable. Mm. So that challenges our perception of what is retirement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. those are just a few thoughts, but I would, I would recommend it. I would recommend yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. I'll think about it. I will add it to the wish list. Yeah. yeah. Wish list of books. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, just a little tidbit about, his, about history. Yes. Aristotle. How much do you know about it? Because you studied philosophy. Yeah, I know a bit about Aristotle. Yeah. So can I tell you what I've learned? What have you learned about Aristotle? Aristotle was an expert in many fields. Yes. Biology. Physics, mm-hmm. metaphysics, mm-hmm. Uh, mathematics, politics, yes. ethics, mm-hmm. uh, agriculture, mm-hmm. even to some yes. extent. Yes. Spent his whole life 
in, in all these fields. But he had one fatal flaw. What was his fatal flaw? He was a massive nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no one liked him, but he was a massive nerd. Oh. Alexander the Great liked him. But yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, good, good work. Good you work. Enjoy that? Yeah. Like apply, that. You can apply. You can say that to so many people. So many people. Just a massive nerd. Massive nerd. No one liked President it. President Bartlett from the West Wing. Yeah. Massive, massive nerd. nerd. Anyway, it's yeah. my little uh, Aristotle beer. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Yes. So, actually, it's interesting. Um, Bible, wise. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I finished two. I wanted to share from Ecclesiastes, but you know, a few. Um, Days ago, I finished 2 Corinthians, and it's interesting what you're saying, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, um, it's, it's almost a throwaway line, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, but 2 Corinthians 12 verse 14, he says, now I am ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents but parents for their children. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is, uh, you know, I've done a bit of work thinking about, you know, uh, how you prioritize uh, finances for a Christian. But I will say that this verse escaped my view. Um, and I remember last year when I was reading 2 Corinthians, it was the first time I noticed it. Mm. This time around reading it again, I was like, oh yeah, that's there. But that idea that um, parents should save up for their children. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which, that in and of itself actually matches a lot of what the Proverbs say mm. in terms of storing up or gathering wealth to, to give to your children or uh, as, an, as, a, as something that you pass on to your children. Yeah. I think that that is part of the biblical wisdom on what parents should be doing. Yeah. But if you think about a lot of what our world has, um, especially in, in Australia, there's a lot of, and these are not my words, this is uh, Philip Jensen's words. Mm. He said, uh, the, he says, my generation, not Philip, my, says my generation, it's the greediest generation Australia has ever seen. Uh, and then he goes on to, he said this in multiple contexts, but he's basically saying that this idea of thinking about the generations that come next um, was not, in view of my generation. Uh, for us, it was all about just making sure we had enough. We did this, we gained the system. We mm. did whatever we could to accumulate wealth for us. And now, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z are suffering the consequences mm. of it. So for example, hugely like building a property portfolio, having a huge number of properties, um, which actually drives up um, prices in yeah. Sydney, means that for a lot of people our age, getting into a first home, um, like in, in buying a first property is really hard because prices are so high. Um, which then, I don't know if you've uh, heard a lot of the, the rhetoric on like Triple J or an ABC and stuff. It's like, oh, you know, I don't want to have to ask my parents for help when it comes to buying a first home, but I can't do it without my parents' help. Mm. Um, anyway, so I that's... I would, I would say, like, I, I think our generation, you know, is, and probably our parents, because Philip Jensen's probably two generations, yeah, that's up, right. you know, up, yeah. but um, we're probably just as greedy. Oh, I... Just I, without I, less, maybe, opportunity, yeah. or, you know, not, not in the, you know, the time and the place that yeah. they were in, but they could yes. do what they did. But, um, but yeah, I yeah. just wanted to quote it, because it's just one of those quotes... That stuck with me from him, where yeah, I go, yeah. I have no ability to even evaluate yeah. the truth or falsehood of what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that it's there's definitely flow and effects to future yeah. generations yeah. as well. Uh, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. I think there is there is a, a danger for Christians. You know, I, I feel the I feel the danger going into ministry to kind of. Uh, give up on financial stewardship mm. because it's like I'm probably not going to be earning a lot anyway so it's like why save why you know um, you know why try to accrue some kind of inheritance for my children mm -hmm. um, and I think 
that there's that's an immaturity mm. and i think you know the bible does it it it's more nuanced than that and it's, and it, and it's like yes you want, and i was talking about this last season hold loosely the things of this world mm-hmm. but at the same time mm. think wisely about the things of this world yes. and use your money in in such a way that is loving to your the people around you mm. to the people who are less than you yes. and to the people who are coming after you mm. do you know what i mean yes um yeah, so it's a it's a big challenge. Yeah, um, yeah. And I wanted to like on 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 this whole sort of financial vein, I wanted to share two, you know, two verses that show this. It's not a paradox, mm-hmm. but it's just it's two ideas that it, that have a different light on money. Yeah. So go for it. Hebrews thirteen. Mm-hmm. Hebrews thirteen five and six says keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because god has said never will i leave you never will i forsake you so we say with confidence the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can the immortals do to me so pretty simply keep your lives free from the love of money don't love money be content with what you have because we have a god who provides but a God who was present and who was there. Mm-hmm. And so that's one angle. Be content with what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, another angle, Luke 16. Mm. So let's flip to... Shrewd manager? Yeah, that's right. So I'll just read the first... Um, I'll read the first kind of nine verses. So it's a bit of a read, but first nine verses. So Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So I think that's, I mean, Jesus commends, uh, the, in the parable, the master commends the dishonest manager, mm-hmm. not for his dis- dishonesty per se, but for his shrewdness mm-hmm. in understanding the circumstance, understanding the time that he's in and, and acting accord, accordingly and acting in such a way that, that wins him friends for the future. Mm. Now, how to apply this to um, Christians, um, you know, using our money shrewdly to win friends or to win souls. So there was an article um, written by Dave Moore, from HBC mm-hmm. on the Gospel Coalition, and he was, and it's basically the uh, a book review of the Barefoot Investor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Go. On. So, yeah. so, and he was basically, he was basically saying, um, sh- like shrewdness is a good thing, but what does it mean? And he looked at this verse. And he said, "What does it mean to win friends?" You know, in the way that this is talking about, and he kind of he argues. It's talking about winning eternal friends, winning souls, using your money in such a way that, that wins souls. Now, I thought that was a really interesting yeah, take on this. That's interesting. And I'm not sure if that's... Uh, I, it, you know, it could be right, but I'm, I'm thinking, is there this other... Is there a worldly sense in which we're to win friends now with our money and just to be loving with our money now so that people are more... I mean, like, in and ends of itself almost. Mm. But also to you know, create relationships in which people are receptive to what we say when we share about Jesus. Mm. But even just in and ends of itself, just being loving to people with our wealth. 
Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think, yes, the idea is to have an eternal perspective on how you use your money. I mean, that's, that's part of what verse 9 there is saying, right? Like, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Mm. Um, I, I do get what you mean in terms of the tension. Is it like mm. Hebrews 13, Luke 16? You feel that tension of not like holding to it loosely and yet also being shrewd mm. as well. I th- yeah, it's interesting that idea of um, using money to, to get friends. Mm. Like your question is, is there a, that sort of worldly sense? Like, cause it appeals to people. Like you could, you, you could use money to gain people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just think yeah. that it is, it's more complex than I think I think it is. Yeah, right, yeah. It's not just a matter of don't care about money. Yes. That's not it at all. No. You should care about money. You should yes. be concerned about it. Yes. But you shouldn't uh, love money yes. for yourself. Mm. You should love others with your money. Yes. And you see, the, like, the people that Jesus comes across, so think of like Matthew, the tax collector who throws the party once he's called to follow mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's able to do that because he's got money. Yeah. And he's obviously got a lot of friends. And Jesus, you know, engage, like seems to be pretty positive about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes. And, uh, you know, I always think of when, when the Pharisees are challenging Jesus and he says, you know, John the Baptist, um, you know, came neither eating nor drinking and they said he has a demon Hmm. the son of man came eating and drinking and they call him a a glutton and a drunk yes and it's like Jesus didn't necessarily live he he didn't live an impoverished life necessarily like he had food he had wine he had good times you know um yeah so it's more it's more complex than just like let go let go the things of this world Hmm. you know I think I just had a remembered a few weeks ago when Jack was saying, "You guys are talking a lot about money and work all the time." <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's something that we do keep talking about because there's yeah. so much to to, well, to think yeah. about. I mean, I I I feel like the first when I was working in the city, working yeah. marketing. Yeah. Monday mornings on the train into yes. this, particularly if it was a rainy morning. Yeah. You'd have all these existential kind of thoughts running through your head about <laughs> what is life. <laughs> What is my job? Why am I doing this? Yeah. And I think that's a pretty common experience for people in our age bracket. Yeah. I think that probably wears off. Oh, maybe it doesn't. But it probably wears off significantly by your 50s when retirement's on the horizon and you're like, you know, I've only, you know, I'm over halfway through my work. This is life. This is what life is. It's worked well so far. It's helped me to pay pay off my mortgage and all this. So I kind of get it. But for a 20-something entering the workforce, it's like, well, is this like, what do I actually think about money? Yeah. What do I actually, what am I doing this for? Uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's good to wrestle with. Have you heard this quote before by um, Henry David Thoreau? It's, uh, Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and die with their song still inside them. Mm, that's a good quote. Have you heard that? No, I haven't heard that. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and die with their songs still inside them. Um, I was talking to um, uh, Andrew Robson, one of the, well, now no longer, but one of the ministers at church mm. who recently left to go to West Pimble. Um, really great opportunity for Andrew there. Um, but I was chatting with him a few weeks ago about sort of this quote and he was saying yeah he feels that for a lot of people they go through life unexamined just following the 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 trends and what they're told they're supposed to do and then they catch themselves going what is my life (laughs) what have i found myself in Mm. what what is what is happening um like feeling like a wage slave and feeling like i don't know how i'm Anyway, I just found that really fascinating to hear. Just, again, it was one of those things where I'm just listening to someone mm. um, and appreciating their insights and wisdom without the ability to, to critique or anything myself. I'm just learning. 
but to go, yeah, I think what you're saying there on that existential, like, what am I doing with my life? I think most people probably don't have the ability to, to examine, Mm. um, what they've been told they should be focusing on, Mm. what they've been told they should be doing. And then they wake up one morning and they go, oh my goodness, I've got so many things pulling me in different directions. Mm. Thus, and I don't know how to get out of it. Thus, quiet desperation. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. The inertia of life. The inertia. Mm. <laughs> That's a good quote. That's a good line. Mm. Yes. yes, but I think, I mean, you know, if work takes up one third of our lives, you know, and one half of our waking hours, it should at least take up a half of the Bible boys. that's right and the bible like the bible talks jesus talks a lot about money he does he talks a lot about it well but also i think it makes a lot of sense in our context because what are a lot of the things that the people we've been ministering to Mm. are dealing with it's questions about work it's questions about money it's questions about how your activity relates with relationships and family yeah and um you know yeah Sex, sex is a big, you know, yeah, sex and dating and, and, or, you know, yes. So the kind of big issues that, that arise in our kind of age bracket and people are wrestling with, you know, how to, how to think about it theologically. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, um, given the, the time that we've gone through already, Mm. I probably won't share too much about what I've been reading in terms of the Bible, but. Uh, I I will say I just did another run through of Ecclesiastes, which was excellent. I think I just there's something about like I've read Ecclesiastes many times, but this mm. is this last one I read through the time I read through it is just like a fresh perspective mm. on it, um, and just jolted me in particular ways. Maybe I'll share more next week. I feel I mean feel feel for a share like yeah. Oh, I want to get to one of our questions. Oh, okay, that okay. Sent through. I was gonna say you know Ecclesiastes. Yes. Do you know what its original title was going to be? What was its original title? Monday Morning Thoughts. <laughs> Monday Morning Existential Thoughts. Yeah, that's it. You can just imagine the uh, author of the Ecclesiastes on the train on a Monday morning just being like, you know, what good meaningless, is it? Meaningless, meaningless. Meaningless, Everything's meaningless. That's right. Well, actually, you know what? I will, I will share one thing then from Ecclesiastes that I just found really fascinating. Um, excuse me. Um, Ecclesiastes... Uh, Chapter, oh, where was it? Chapter, oh, chapter seven. Ecclesiastes chapter seven. So just this entire chapter is filled with so many nuggets of wisdom, um, which is, which is really, really, um, fantastic. Um, but what I wanted to share from was, uh, verse 15. Uh, to 18. So it goes, In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Oh, man. I was like, it's it's a jolting mm. section, isn't it? Mm. Do so, not be over righteous. Do not be over righteous. It's cool. <laughs> Neither be over wise. Why destroy yourself? It's just, it's fascinating that it seems like the author of Ecclesiastes is saying just just be be a moderating influence. Just chill out a bit. Just chill out a bit. Yeah. Um, and it got me thinking about that. There is different ways of approaching the book of Ecclesiastes. So the two main ways. One is the um, is sort of like a pre-evangelistic way. The idea of well, the book of Ecclesiastes is primarily about how life purely seen under the sun is meaningless, and he goes for twelve or eleven and a half chapters on the meaninglessness of life, and then at the very end, he's like, "But God gives us hope." So this is the main way mm. that I've been taught Ecclesiastes. I'm mm. sure would yeah, yeah, that's... that was like a whole kick conference once. Was, oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, the first talk was, you know, this guy's an emo, <laughs> you know, I really resonate with him. Yeah, um, wow. Everything's meaningless. Yeah. But yes. luckily the story doesn't end there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, it's like 
11 and a half chapters of build up to, okay, but actually, no, there is meaning mm. in God. That's one way of reading it. Another way of reading it is actually to see Ecclesiastes as uh, another bit of, like, it, it is the necessary addition to the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, including books like Proverbs. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, Proverbs and Job. And Song of Songs can be seen as wisdom literature as well. But, like, in a lot of the Proverbs, there's a lot of good stuff that is said for the one who is righteous. Mm. But what Ecclesiastes is, it's actually talking also about the rhythms and cycles and realities of the world. Um, but that just because you are righteous, it doesn't mean everything will go well for you. Mm. So you can just read the Proverbs and go, yeah, if I'm righteous, everything will go well. But not that every proverb has that, but you could get that sense. Yeah, yeah. But then Ecclesiastes is also, but also the wicked prosper as well in mm. this world that we live in. Mm. Anyway, so it, the second way of reading it is seeing it as descriptive of the world we live in as well, just like the book of Proverbs is. Mm. I'm warmer towards the second one. Not to say that, like, I think there's, a, there's an extreme way you can take that, which is to say, and this is the way God designed everything and mm. meant everything to be. But I just think it's very realistic, yeah. the world we live in. Yeah. Anyway. No, this, that's, yeah, that's, that's insightful. I, yeah. Have you heard, have you heard it, um, like, wisdom literature? I think Timothy Keller said this, maybe? He said, like, um, the Proverbs are about um, how life operates 95% of the time. Like the rules of life that yeah, work ninety five percent of the time, Psalms, uh, you know, a lot of the Psalms and Ecclesiastes are the outcry of when the five percent happens, mm, that's really and things don't go the logical kind of way. Mm, I haven't heard that before. That's a really helpful insight. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's Tim Keller. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I you know, I wrestle with because um, I mean, it almost sounds it. You read Ecclesiastes. And some parts are like, is this guy an atheist? Mm, yeah. Does he even believe in God? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. 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 So, lots there. And I appreciated it as someone who, you know, is all, always in the book of Proverbs. Um, but to have Ecclesiastes here as well was yeah, helpful. Mm. And just a reality check mm. in many senses. I will say as well that I was reading Ecclesiastes while all that stuff was happening in America last week. And there's a lot that's talked about in terms of rulers. And um, yeah, it was sobering Mm. to be on Christian and not so Christian Twitter, Mm. (laughs) observing the news and everything. Anyway, we won't go too into that right now. It's it's all you know. It's crazy what's happening. That's what everyone says. It's crazy what's happening. That's crazy. Oh, aren't you glad you're not in the US right now? <laughs> <laughs> I heard a lot of people yeah. saying that. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, uh, I I did get one reply. Oh yes. From an Instagram. Oh yes. Uh, post yesterday, uh, story. I asked. I said, "People, season four is beginning. Any jokes you want us to tell?" Yes. And someone responded, um, yes, that's right. Should I read the Yeah, name? go for it. The name, so Inclement Weather. His name's Clement. Clement. Yes. Oh, that's very clever. Yes. Clement. Inclement Weather. That's interesting. Anyway, <laughs> so the joke that he says is, why does Iron Man not like Spider-Man? Why does Iron Man not like Spider-Man? And the answer... Because he's too clingy. Hey! Now that, you know... I like it. As far as jokes go, Clement, um, you know, out of ten, <laughs> I would say it's, it's in the mid-range. <laughs> Five or six. Not the best joke in the world, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's good enough for the Bible boys. Thanks, Clement. Really appreciate it. Uh, we have a question. That okay. was emailed to us on the 1st of January. So these are loyal listeners who emailed us on New Year's Day. Happy... Oh, by the way, we haven't said this. Happy New Year, Happy everyone. New Year. When's the cutoff, like, for saying Happy New Year? I think we've just reached we've it. We've just reached it? Yeah. We've just passed it. We're okay, done. that's We're it. You can't say it anymore. So this is from Alan and Joe. Okay. Um, Hello, Bible boys. Would love your thoughts about Matthew chapter 5, verse 32... 
specifically where divorcing your wife makes her commit adultery slash become an adulteress. Wasn't sure how to understand that if it's not right for the husband to divorce his wife, why the poor wife is the one who becomes the adulteress. In brackets, presumably even if she doesn't get married again. I think, James, you explained this to me many a moon ago in some random McDonald's, but I can't remember what you said for the life of me. Dot, dot, dot. Thanks for all you guys are doing, in brackets, and for putting Newington Fishbowl on the map, winky face, exclamation mark. <laughs> Alan in jail. Do you remember a few weeks ago I was talking about the fish and chips place? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. The Newington. Yeah, Newington Fishbowl. Anyway, so... Thanks so, for so the question. What, what's the question? Can you kind of try and summarize the, the question? How do you understand Matthew 5.32? Mm. And why divorcing your wife makes her commit adultery slash become an adulteress? So how do we understand Matthew 5.32? Yeah, okay. Right. First of all, thanks Alan and Joe for the question. Thank you for listening along. Um, and uh, hope Chance the Cat is going well. And your newborn, Isaac, is going well as well. Oh, there you go. There we go. Here we go. Matthew 5. Do you want to read 31 and 32? Sure. It says, It has been said, Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Yes. Um, how do you understand this verse, Pip? Uh, like, I'm just trying to... Because, okay, I think one thing to say is this is a heavy topic for some. Not for everyone, but mm. for some. Yeah. Divorce is, um, yeah, close to home for many people. And so when, when it comes to verses like this, I think I've made the mistake of the past of treating... Uh, you know, I've been in Q&As where I've treat questions quite intellectually, yeah. just academically, coldly, without, I guess, acknowledging the the real human element and, mm. and that this could be a live issue for many people. Yes. Um, so I, I think just, just to acknowledge that and, you know, um, divorce is an issue that is debated in Christian circles and there is complexity and nuance to, I guess, the re- the I guess the regulations or the, the interpretations of particular verses. Yes. When it comes to verse thirty-two, it seem it seems to say so. I mean, this is this comes in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is, um, I guess, explaining mm-hmm. Old Testament law. In, uh, I guess the in in. A new light, perhaps, mm-hmm. in in a, in a in in a light that he brings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why in verse thirty one it says, "It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce." And that's a quote from Deuteronomy twenty four, mm-hmm. verse one. And then he says, "Okay, so that's the law. Anyone who divorces his wife must give a certificate of divorce." But I think Jesus re like it seems like a a, a cold kind of. Um, uh, statement if you want to divorce your wife you must give her a certificate of divorce that's how you do it that's the proper way Jesus is re-injecting kind of uh, I guess gravity into the law by saying uh, you know but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of Adultery, and so Jesus is—he's speaking for uh, marriage, and he's and he's talking to the I guess uh, the tragedy of of divorce. Um, it's it, it's interesting that it says except for sexual immorality. So there are grounds in which he says yes, this is uh, there is an acceptable time, or except like acceptable circumstances in which you can and perhaps should get divorced and he and he says sexual immorality um but yeah what does it mean that it makes her the victim of adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah. To be honest, I think I, I have to think more on that. Mm. I don't have a, an answer at the moment. Yeah. Do you have an answer? I, I think I think I do. I want to say, Pip, it's interesting because I think you're saying you're, you're, you tend to just go straight into it intellectually and then like forget the nuance behind it. Yes. My, my error is the opposite, as we've talked about before, yeah, where yeah. I can be so nuanced that I don't actually end up answering the question. Yeah, which I think I just was just then. <laughs> so I think I've gone the other way. But I do remember, because I remember I was at a youth, uh, it was awesome, I was at a youth yeah, camp right. and was doing a Q&A for kids in years 7 to 10 or something. Yeah, right. And there was a question about divorce. Yes. And I just kind of and just went straight I just took the textbook answer. Right. And later I realized, mm. actually someone, you know, someone told me, uh, you know, you could have maybe acknowledged yeah. the, the, heart, the heart of that or the, the I guess, the, tent, the gravity yes. of that, you know, because mm. that's a life issue for many kids. Mm. But anyway, what's, what's your kind of thoughts? Yeah, on this and now I, like you, could be wrong about, oh, and... You know, we may, we definitely need to think more about this and, and see what, what's going on here. In the context of Matthew, I think that the way to understand verse 32 um, is the insinuation that if the wife is no longer married, right, is divorced, she will then remarry. So it's in the context of remarriage that she becomes a victim of adultery because notice how it's paired with the second part of the verse and anyone who marries a divorced woman, woman commits adultery. So it's it's. I think that it's in the context of remarriage after divorce that she becomes a victim of adultery. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So it's if I I think the the idea here being and so the principle in view which you also get from Matthew nineteen Matthew nineteen verses one to twelve is where this principle is explained in more depth. Um, who, whoever God has joined together, let no one separate. The only grounds for divorce um, is, are um, sexual immorality. Um, it's, it is significant that it comes right after adultery. Yeah. 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 That's, I didn't notice that. So it, it comes right after the section he talks about adultery. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yes, yeah, so it's, you, you mean in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew yes, yes. So, yeah. so 27 to yeah. 30 are about adultery. Yeah, that's right. So I think it's this, if you have a married man and a married woman and they um, separate, um, if they then remarry, either of them, the man or the woman, they've, they then committed adultery. Mm. Um, because even though legally they may be separated, in the sight of God, they're still joined together. So I think, Alan and Joe, the, it, it's not as if it's not sorry it's not as if it's different for the man and the woman i think that's um i think that we need to understand it that way and we can understand it that way the insinuation being that if you, anyone divorces his wife and she then remarries um and the reason why it says makes her the victim of adultery in one sense i think that may even speak to the fact that for a lot of women who were um, like in, in, in the ancient world, if they were married and they're no longer married, in order to survive, in order to, to, to have some standing in society, in order to be able to keep going, like she, she has to marry again. She needs the protection in the context of, of a person. And thus, it's like you've left her with no choice. Mm. So she must commit adultery by remarrying someone even though like marrying someone even though mm. um, she was married to someone before I think that maybe that that's yeah. also what's in view do you there. think do you think maybe Jesus um, could also be this is almost like could be a rebuke to people who treat marriage so lightly that they think oh I can just give this divorce certificate and then marry someone else oh yes I definitely think that's in view yeah yes. yeah and in, in a sense it's like you know what precedes that is I mean no one you know it's almost like premeditated remarriage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's like, and you know, and, and in a sense that, I mean, Jesus calls lust adultery. And so you'd think lust uh, comes before premeditated remarriage. Or like, you know, you see someone, you're like, oh, I wish I was married to them. Hmm. I'm going to divorce my wife or my husband and marry yeah. them. Yeah. 
that in itself that's almost that's adultery mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. you know we, yeah. if those thoughts predate yeah the divorce um yeah so that's another element to throw in. yeah and I, I think you're right about the rebuke part uh, because I mean, verse 31, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. The The focus there is on the husband um, because there could have been this, and there was this idea that, yeah, if, if you just weren't happy with your wife, just present a certificate of divorce and you can go and get remarried. Like, and Jesus is going, you're not actually understanding the, the significance of marriage mm. um, and what God's intention was, which again is expounded upon more in Matthew 19, mm. 1 to 12. Um, so yeah, in, in short, I think it is the same for men and women. If you, um, divorce, um, against God's will, um, and remarry, you commit adultery. The focus of the Matthew five thirty two I think is on, um, the fact that for a lot of women, um, they would have been left with no choice if they were divorced to remarry and thus becoming a victim of adultery mm. as well. Um, hope that's somewhat clear. Um, listeners, please feel free to write us as well if there's other questions you have or if you maybe have a comment or a question um, or a correction mm. uh, to what we've said here. Um, I, I do want to add what people are saying as well, that it, divorce is intensely personal and excruciating for many involved. I remember um, this is not a personal story. This is a story I heard a, a minister tell once where... He was called into um, a church context where there was a man and woman who were married, or they were married, um, and the the wife had um, uh, cheated on her husband with with another man. So they committed adultery, right? And he was called in to to chat and try to to mediate some discussion. And he said, um, when he was speaking with the woman, and then speaking with the man, they were like, well, why do you need to come in? Why do we need another person to come in in this private affair, this private matter? Why can't we just deal with it ourselves? And then the minister said um, he felt so exasperated that he showed his timetable to them. And in his timetable, he had over 40 different time slots that he had booked out for that week to chat with different people from the church, including the married couple's children, the married couple's growth group leaders, the married couple's small group members, the, 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 the second man, his growth group leaders, his growth group members, um, his family, because even though it was a personal matter, it was very public mm. in its effects. And so there were the and the, the, the man and the woman, they were shocked. Like, how, why are you meeting with so many people? And it's because so many people had requested to meet with the minister because mm. they, they felt so hurt mm. and upset um, with this affair mm. that had happened. Yep. Um, and the minister's point was, he's like, I'm actually, I don't want to talk so much about um, adultery. I actually want to talk more about the fact that marriage, even though it's very personal, it's never private. Mm. marriage is a public affair that has public impacts Mm. on multiple people Um, and just the fact that you know think about how many hundreds of people some people invite to their wedding it speaks to that that marriage has implications for a lot of people and we need to to see our marriages not just as it's just me and another person it's it's actually a promise we make in the presence of many witnesses and has impacts on so many people and so the effects of divorce can be so hard for not just the couple involved, but mm. so many others. As well. mm. Anyway, yeah, just that's something a helpful. Yeah, that's a helpful story. Yeah. Pip. On that deep note. On that deep note. That's right. I feel like when we come back. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we've come back three times now. Yeah. You know, um, our first episode is very somber. Mm. That's right, because we're here to talk about deeper things. That's it. While also being liked when it comes to us. Next time we record, we might not be in this place anymore. That's right. We might be in Parramatta. We might be at the church. We, right. who, who knows? We'll That's do. right. You can come over if you want to oh, record. I'd as love well. to. Yes. You can see the balcony. Oh, okay. Listeners, you got to understand this about me. I love a good balcony. <laughs> it's really funny because it wasn't just, you, you didn't tell me that first, it was self who told yeah, me that first. Yeah. Pip I'll, loves a good balcony. I'll be driving in the car 
and there'll be like a like not even a great balcony, and I'll look at it and be like, "That's a great balcony." <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that view. You know? Yes. I just love. I mean, when I was living in West Ride, yeah, I had a pretty you know small balcony. It overlooked the train lines. Right. So I'd see the train. I'd sit out on my balcony and I'd eyeball people coming through on the train, mm. and I'd be like. Mm, yes, I see you. I see you. And you know, I could look over and see the uh, the leagues club, the ride leagues club. You know, so eleven p.m., I'd see people stumbling out of the leagues club. You know, someone just graduated. They're coming out with their parents. It's a whole. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, I see you. You know. Um, anyway, all this to say, how good is a balcony? How good's a balcony? It's, yeah. it's freedom but and here's the irony of that like moving into a ground floor yeah no balcony no, ba- no balcony no balcony so right. I think it'd be odd if I request if I said because uh, some of the guys said if you need anything just post your uh, they've got a yes. Facebook page I'd like a balcony I'd, you know it would be weird if I just said hey can I use someone's balcony <laughs> oh yeah what for do you want to need to dry some clothes no no, no, no. I just want to sit there I want to view I want to sit there yeah hey go on a balcony bring a book do some more reading Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pip, later today, you are meeting with... I'm, I'm uh, meeting with Bill Jensen. Yes. Why? How did this happen? All right. So here's the story, yo. Yeah. All right. Tell the listeners. So on my podcasts, I listen to John Dixon, listen to Undeceptions. I listen to E.V. Church, Andrew Heard Sermons. Uh, you know, I listen to this and that, that and this. And I've always... I haven't heard that one. You know? <laughs> I'm sure there's a podcast because of this and that. I want to I wanna listen to Philip Jensen sermons. Yeah. And I go, I type in Philip Jensen into the thing. And there's like five or six things mm. there, you know? And I'm like, what's the deal? This yeah. guy's done a lot of stuff. Yes, that's right. He's so, got so much audio, so much visual content yeah, available. It's out there. It's got a few things on YouTube. But I went on to two ways... Uh, his kind of ministry yep. website and I sent a message in via the contact us button and I said hi I would like to listen to more of Philip's uh, content um, I can't listen to his audio library on the website because I listen to it on my phone mm. I listen to it while I'm running or something and so I can't close my phone the only you know it works best on Spotify and Apple I was just wondering why isn't the content available on podcast platforms yes um, and then I said, if you'd like any help uploading it, you know, I'd be happy to help. And then I got a reply from his office saying, they're thinking, they're in the process actually right now of thinking about how to make that content more accessible. Mm. And they invited me in um, to kind of give user suggestions about how to categorize stuff, but also because I've had experience in uploading yeah. podcasts before, so just another person in the room. But it's very, like, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, it should be good. I'm hoping the conversation will go like this. I'm hoping the conversation right, at the end, you know. I'm Philip. Yeah, go. You know, um, I'm hoping I'll be like, you know, I'm glad to be of service. And then Philip says something like, um, you know, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you in the future. Right. And, and I then say, you go. Next Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, we're filming <laughs> the Bible Boys. <laughs> so, listeners, next week we might have special guest. Bill of Jen. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. He's a busy guy, he but busy he guy. is a Bible boy. He I, is. I know that. One of the original Bible boys. One of the OG. Um, of our generation. Yeah, so there is a chance. Yes. I reckon there's about a 2% chance (laughs) that he'll be on the podcast at some point. Or, we might be on his (laughs) content. We might be used as as an illustration. Hey, you know what? You should offer, you should actually offer to say, you know, one of the things you could do is, um, Philip, you could do a podcast each week and you, or you could say we, would be happy to host him, you know, and it's the two ways podcast. Yes. Oh, oh, he'd say, he'd say, he'd say, okay, okay. Uh, what would call it? Just uh, Philip Jensen two ways. I'd say it needs to be something that appeals to youth. You know, yeah, that's right. With alliteration. That's right. That's, uh, for them Gen Zers. That's right. Maybe something like the Bible Boys. <laughs> and luckily for you, we've already, already got. <laughs> Pip, this afternoon, if I yeah. get on the Instagram and I see Philip Jensen, I'll be on the Bible Boys <laughs> next week. 
<laughs> no, it's, no, no, no. Yeah, you're going to be you're gonna be a bit coy with these things. So uh, No, 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 not with <laughs> Philip. You just go straight to the point. Okay, it's black and white. All Look, right. I'll tell you right now, you pick a time next week and I will free it up if, if Philip if he wants says to yes? record. Okay, all right. And I will travel... To more. Would you go to more? Yeah. I'm, well, listeners, I've already said to... So, Viv, my wife, she's studying at more part-time this year. I'm planning on coming in on Friday mornings and I'll go to the library and I'll write and read and stuff. And then maybe after classes in the morning, we'll, we can record the Bible Boys on Dude. Friday at Moore College. Anyway, it's all happening. My thoughts are raising through my head. <laughs> anyway. This, hey, I just want to commend you for reaching out to people. You, you wrote to um, Diarmade. Yes, yeah. Again, yeah. I'm probably butchering his yeah. name. You wrote to Two Ways Ministries. Yeah. It's good. It's a new thing. Yeah, that's right. And I commend this to anyone. If you're reading something, or you're, if you've ever like got, you know, it's easier to get in touch with people than you think. Yes. Just email. Email them. Just email. Mm. You know, you're mm. reading a book by John Dixon. Mm-hmm. You're reading something, something by someone, someone. Yeah. You know, just send him an email. Mm. Your, your local member of parliament. Yes. You got some issue? There's a pothole somewhere. Yeah. Just send him an email. Yeah, that's it. Anyway. That's good. Wisdom. Mm. Loyal listeners, thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Bible Boys. Share us, like us, rate us, subscribe to us, share us with your friends Mm. and family. Mm. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. See ya.